Hello and welcome to episode number 22 of the WooCast with Ilya Stranko. My name is Mackie. And I'm Juliet. And we're here to explore all things weird, weird and, and woo-woo. We Good job, it. babe. We're we, synced up finally. We had a couple of funky <laughs> intros for a while. Uh, as you can hear, we don't really edit shit. And it's yeah. just more fun that way. We like yeah. it real raw, uncut. Kind of sounds, just sounds out gross as when I say were... that. <laughs> sounds like a 12-year-old boy like humor. Howard Stern in the 90s. I loved Howard Stern and loved and still love. Of course. <laughs> because I like people who just put themselves out there and don't really give a fuck about what other people think. I'm very attracted to that. It's hard to live like it's that. It's a hard way of being, yeah. Yeah, it's very courageous when people are like that. Um, this episode is awesome. I've been wanting to talk to someone who specializes in past life regression. I'm still wrapping my head around what my beliefs truly are. I don't think I'll ever, well, I don't wanna say never, but it's hard for me to imagine that I will just like have a very, very strong belief set in like one thing. I believe in many things and I'm someone who likes to have direct interaction with something to really, I need to like feel it yeah, to I truly believe it. Yeah, I wanna see it, I wanna feel it myself but you can't really do that with past life um well i guess you can with the regression therapy yeah if you do it and you like truly honestly feel like that's true for you then yeah it's great have you ever had past life regression therapy i have not no i have one time so many years ago i went to see this woman and i don't even know if that is what i signed up for it was like a healing session this must have been like at least eight years ago and uh, I remember she had an amazing like massage bed and it was made of amethyst crystals and was a, like a warming bed. But like the inside of it was all amethyst crystals. Pretty wow. badass. Yeah, it's cool. And we went on this like journey, this, you know, meditative kind of hypnotic state where I was brought back into a past life and... She guided me, and I'm not saying this is what Ilya does, because I think that everybody is different in terms of their modalities and what they use. But this practitioner guided me to kind of pinpoint where I was feeling any discomfort in my body. And at the time, I remember it was like my knee. And then all of a sudden, I was just in the war. And I was a man who got his knee blown off in the war. And... The experience felt very emotional and very real. But at the same time, when I left that session, I was so skeptical and I really didn't know, like, was what just happened in my imagination just that, my imagination? Or was it actually me remembering a memory of a guy in a war who got his knee blown off? And you know what? I will never know. And no one will ever know. I think what matters with this kind of thing is if you're able to pick up on patterns or pick up on something that you can use in your present day, then you can, you know, utilize that knowledge and, and help change patterns and break out of those limiting beliefs. Yeah. If you find that you have these limiting beliefs that you can't really pinpoint from this lifetime, like it doesn't make sense. Um, oftentimes, it, you know, that is where I would say it could be that you're holding some trauma, something stored 
from another life. Um, Erna, we've been talking a lot about this idea of star seeds who are, you know, people from another uh, planet, galaxy that are now inhabiting their human form on Earth, but they, they may, this might be their first time on Earth. Uh, we've talked about that in a couple of shows. We're actually going to have someone come on very shortly who's going to talk all about star seeds and the Akashic records. That's really exciting. Super excited about that one. Um, we're not going to go into too much detail about that because we want to focus on what we're talking about in this show. But um, it's actually interesting that we're talking about this past life regression stuff because I just had a deep coaching session with my healer, my coach, uh, Abigail Moss, who we had on the show a few episodes back. Um, it's called Mind Body Free is the episode and her website's mindbodyfree.com if you want to check her out. We've been doing some of the deepest work that I've done ever and in a long time to really break out of old patterning and get to the core of some of my own wounds and traumas that I've been holding and storing on a cellular level. Just when I think I've peeled back a layer of something, another there's another layer to get to when it comes to this stuff. And one of the most beautiful things that uh, we talked about in our last session was that everyone has trauma. If you are human, you have trauma. And um, it does not mean that you have these big traumas, like you have had a major illness, or you lost someone in your life, or you had you know, wrongdoings happen to you in the form of abuse, but just being human and just having little things here and there that kind of provoke you and trigger you, those things become imprints that we store in our bodies. And we start to create all of these stories and these patterns around those things that happen to us. And they could be some of the smallest things that you may not even remember, like one time someone on a school bus could have said something to you like, you know, you can't sit with me, you're a dumbass, you know? I mean, how many times does that stuff happen to children? Probably regularly. I mean, I remember calling my brother stupid, just like totally offhand and, um, you know, didn't even think twice about it. Very mean of me. And I remember it hitting him really hard. And I think it gave him some, you know, limiting beliefs for a little while. But he obviously got over those. But it Did was... Did he? You don't know. I, he could still have... I mean, and it's could, not necessarily your fault, right? But this is the, what happens when we're not really aware of our own patterns and stories. And kind of like how our life is running us. We're not running it. Because we just do things on autopilot so much. So if you're a brother... Uh, created this limiting belief that he's stupid that may have prevented him from going after certain things academically or putting himself out there. It's kind of wild how like something yeah. like that can really manifest for years and years and years. Yeah. It can just like be there. You don't even realize it because it's there for so long that it's just is that's what you believe you are. Oh yeah. It wasn't until, you know, more recently that I've started, like I said, to, peel back the layers of just how many limiting beliefs I have. But the thing is, and I thought I, I did a lot of this work, guys, but it's like um, the work is never done, really. Uh, 
Did you lose your train of thought? No, I'm just feeling, I'm just going to like be really, really vulnerable right now. This is just hard stuff to talk about. Like, and part of me really wanted to just say like, please stop this recording Mackie and like, let's start over because I want to know how I'm going to say something and say it right. And that it's like, guys, it showed up just now. And I'm just going to face the fire right now. And that I am afraid of saying the wrong thing and how people are going to perceive it. And that sucks. And that's really hard, but I'm just going to keep going. And uh, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm doing some real deep work right now around some of the stories that I've had for way too long. And for me, just got to a point where I was like, I don't want to live by these stories anymore. The story of a girl who lost her mom when she was nine from mental illness, lost her dad when he, when she was 16 from a heart attack, lost her brother in, you know, in ways from mental illness, you know, around that same age that her dad died had to be all on her own and do things, you know, and be strong and be independent and couldn't really rely on anybody but herself. And I don't want to live by the story of having, you know, father issues, you know, mother wounds and all of these things that when we kind of live by that, it can hold us back from experiences because we just live with a limiting belief of this is who I am and I am my story, but I'm not my story. Those are just things. Those are facts. Those are things that happen to me, but how I interpret them and the life that I lead and live because of those things, some of those choices and decisions, those are on me. I can make those changes. I can make a right turn instead of continuously making a left turn. And I always make a left turn just so you guys know, because it's very <laughs> bizarre, actually. Every time we leave a store or do anything, I just go left. She turns left. I don't know why. <laughs> Sometimes I just let her go left. Well, you know what? Left is the feminine. So maybe I'm just really like, oh, I got to really like lean into my feminine because that's definitely been unbalanced for me for so long. I know there's research in retail stores of most people, I think, turn right when they go into a store. Well, I'm talking about when I leave the store, not when I go oh, into okay. the store. Like anytime I get back on the street, I just make a left. I don't know if there's research on people leaving the store. Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't help them. Do you think that you edit yourself when you're on the show too? Just like, do you get nervous about like just what you're going to say? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think there's... Anytime you're talking into a microphone... There's the opportunity for embarrassment, for saying the wrong thing, saying something offensive, and, and not even intending for it to be offensive, but you just say the wrong word, or you say it in a way that uh, you know doesn't agree with people. And um, yeah, so it's hard. It's it's definitely hard to just speak as if it was just us talking in the room. Yeah. And even when I just put you on the spot and was doing that right now, like, did you feel, what did you feel? Did you feel nervous? Did you feel like, oh shit? No, in that moment I felt free because, because the, there was no like elephant in the room and we were, because we're addressing this head on of, you know, being censored. It's like, okay, I, I, there's no opportunity for me to be censored in this moment. Yeah. And it's, it's like when you are 
at a conference or somebody's going up to speak and they might acknowledge like, I'm really nervous right now. Or if someone's giving like a TED talk. Yeah, like breaks the tension. And for everybody. Yeah, you just feel like, oh, a real human being being vulnerable, expressing that they're nervous. Like we don't all have to have it together. And uh, just the censorship that we place on ourselves, the censorship that we place even with our loved ones, the people that we say we believe love us unconditionally, no matter what, we will censor how we're going to say something, what we're going to say, because we don't want to be perceived in a certain way. And you might even do that when you're talking to yourself in your own mind or when you're journaling. You may even censor yourself when you're doing an activity where you're really just supposed to be completely heartfelt and expressing whatever is going on that is behind the curtain. I think that what is behind the curtain is truly the most valuable and beautiful parts of ourselves that I want to just keep talking about the shadow side that we don't necessarily want to face. Right. And that's what I've been doing a lot lately is just peeling back the curtain and just seeing like what fears, what vulnerabilities and what old stuff kind of gunk junk just still lives in there you know even if i want to say to you like i'm so past that you know and you'll know, be totally candid like there are some things that like i've spent years working on and have created a career out of even that to express that i might be struggling in some way or something old is coming up that i you know quote unquote worked through is somewhat embarrassing and shameful and it's like, you know what? Bullshit. There's no perfection here. Even healers, even the most amazing healers have their own core wounds and things that they have to constantly confront and, and face. But the confronting and the facing of it and the, and the knowing what it is and the naming of it and the being able to be like, oh, hello, old friend. It is nice to see you again. But you know what? We don't need you to come up right now. Like we're okay without you know, you feeling like a piece of shit right now, we can rise above that. We are divinely supported and loved. That is really where the work, where I can see like the work that I've done. But it's hard to even admit that some things still bother me because I would love to just be like, I'm totally healed, man. Like, <laughs> I don't have any of these problems. But that's just not true. Yeah, I think anybody who... uh Claims that they're totally healed or, or either lying to themselves or, you know, just are blind to it. Yeah, definitely. Anyways, this is just our stream of consciousness before we launch the episode <laughs> and you guys can always fast forward. <laughs> don't fast forward. I don't know how I'm going to say that until I don't say that anymore. <laughs> um, but like, what kind of things am I talking about? I think it's kind of important to give context. One of the things that I, you know, started to feel shameful for is, you know, having um, thoughts about my physicality and not necessarily loving where my body is or wanting to, you know, quote unquote, like lose some weight or whatever it may be that are has been like the old default pattern for me since I was 12 you know, 12 years old is when I went on my first diet and wanted to change the way I looked in hopes 
that that would change my life, that that would make me feel better about myself, that people would like me, that my life would be easier. All the things that we kind of put emphasis on with weight loss, or maybe you never even thought about it that way, but um, it usually stems from a wound of not feeling like you're enough. And so if you change your appearance, if you lose weight, then you may be enough. But to put value on, you know, to say like, I'm worthy, I'm not worthy, is uh, it's an interesting thing that human beings do because um, us, our essence isn't, you know, how can you create, like, how can you make it oh, like worthy? Like, what is that? What is, you know, what does worth mean? Talking about like objects being worth something, but we're not objects. Yeah. So it's, um, it's a funny thing to put, to put in context when you think about it, you know? Am I, you know, I feel worthy. I don't feel worthy of love, you know, of accepting myself. Um, and so when I found myself very anxious lately and very uncertain about the next steps in our life, where we're going to move and just kind of like, what is my future practice really look like now that I am not just doing fitness and I'm really moving into the healing arts space as more of a full-time job? I started to notice that I would look in the mirror and pick my body apart again and start to think things like I need to make these changes. And it's a default. It's a pattern. It's like that program somewhere just has been running for so long that it's the easiest one to run. I don't know if we can put it into like computer terms, but like when you turn your computer on, you know, what just starts running automatically? I think an easy way to think of it is the um, like this, the, the tracks in the snow, the more cars drive over the same part of the road, the deeper that track gets. And the more times you run this program, the deeper the track gets, the easier it is for the next car to drive right down it. Yeah, for sure. And it's harder to get off of that path if you want to make a right turn and all the other cars have gone straight. Yep. And it's so not about like staring at yourself naked in a mirror. And being like, I love my body. Like, as much as those things um, appealed to me when I was younger, they, you know, they don't really get to the core of why you're using the program to what you're getting out of it. See, the thing is, when we have a belief, uh, you know, a limiting belief about ourselves um, or, you know, something you want to change about yourself, let's say, like, I want to lose weight in order to be. Those uh, habits and patterns are serving you in some way. They're actually like protecting you and serving you from a deeper, maybe fear or a greater fear, rather. I want to say deeper, like a more expansive fear, which is like, who am I if I don't run that program? And the who you are, if you're not running the specific program that you've been telling yourself all your life, like, I'm not smart enough, I'm not good enough, I'm too fat. I'm too thin. I'm, you know, I'm, I, you know, I'm too weird, whatever it is. Um, the reason we keep them is oftentimes because we have like befriended those programs in the way that like they can be life-saving for some people. Well, yeah, it can help you, you know, avoid certain 
uncomfortable situations or it can avoid you know you getting called out for something you know it, it, it it's there for a reason to protect you and at some point it might have served you exactly but the thing is if it's not serving you and it really for so many of us there are areas of our life that we just kind of have this nagging sense of like i'm not really digging this part of my life or i shouldn't you know be having these thoughts all the time they are really you know, negative and, you know, that whole thing of like, would you talk to your friend the way that you talk to yourself? Of course not. Right. So then how do we get ourselves to stop talking to ourselves negatively and just, you know, shitting all over ourselves all the time? And here is the thing that I'm really getting present to. You don't stop it from happening. Um, You basically face it. And you change the tape by kind of just saying another thing over it and recognizing that is just a tape on replay. It's not actually who you are. You're not your thoughts, right? Your thoughts are, they're not you. And you recognize and you have awareness that you bring to it. The more you can do that, the better. And then the more that you can not let it trigger you as much by having a playful curiosity around, "Hmm, that's really interesting, these self-sabotaging thoughts that I'm having or these self-sabotaging behaviors that I'm doing. You know, why do I always leave dishes in the sink every night? You know, why do I always do these things? Rather than shame ourselves, which is the usual go-to rather than beat ourselves up. Can we have a level of curiosity for this human avatar that is operating under these funny, funny programs and just doing all this shit the same way it's been doing for so long. And then uh, it's really easy to be like, well, this is how I've been doing things. So, you know, it's just who I am. Guess what guys? It's not who you are. It is not who you are. That is, it is just like a robot version of who you are. And if you want to change it, you can. Does it take work? Um, does it take a little bit of effort? Yes. Is it worth it? Hell yes, it is worth it. Because you will just feel so much more free. That's the word, free and empowered. And Like you can actually manifest more things in your life because when we're limited, right? When we have these limiting beliefs, we're so constricted and tense and tight. And that shows up in our body too. I think one of the best things to do is to do a body scan regularly and actually sense where in your body are you holding tension? Because it is a beautiful way to see where you're holding yourself back. You know, even as I'm speaking, I'm holding onto my foot with my hand. I wasn't even present to it until I just said that. And I was like, oh, wait, that's tension. I'm squeezing my foot with my hand. Why am I doing that? Ah, I'm releasing right now, guys. <laughs> Let go of the hand on the foot. Let go of holding the steering wheel, like white knuckling that shit. Like w- these are all responses to like how we're holding stress, anxiety, tension in our cells all the time, which makes us sick. It makes us have headaches. It makes us 
have poor digestion. It can even lead to to disease, dis-ease if we really continue on the path of extreme anxiety and stress and depression. And I am just becoming so fired up about the idea. And I don't know if it's not even an idea, guys, this is like real, like scientifically based evidence that you can heal yourself. A lot of ailments, a lot of things can be healed from slowing down, calming down, changing your, your nervous system and your response to stress. It's pretty incredible. We have that control over our bodies. It's not controlling us. That's the hardest thing to remember is that it's not controlling us, especially when you are in those programs and you're you're thinking about, you know, whatever thought what anxiety or whatever is coming across your mind um, uncontrollably. And it's like in that moment, it's so hard to get out of it. That is the hardest part. But I think that it's like a muscle that you build just like anything else. Like when you're in the gym, it gets easier because you're. You're just getting better at the exercises and your body is like cooperating, just like you can start to become the conscious witness of your thoughts and patterns and conscious being, you know, the prime word there, like really just being awake to it all the time. We talk about waking up. This is really what waking up is. It's, you know, I think a lot of people associate the awakening with like a spiritual, you know, connection. And that is amazing. That is beautiful. And I think that's all part of it. But I think just the baseline of it is like, oh, wait, I am waking up to that. I'm in control of my thought pattern. I'm in control of my actions. And I haven't been because uh, I've just been doing things on a default mode for a really long time. And uh, I would like to not do that anymore. So how do I... It's time to turn off the autopilot. Yeah. So how do I do that? Just being curious, just really like being curious and uh, not and non judgmental and you know for me when i work with clients who have a lot of uh you know food and body image issues when it comes to especially their food habits binge eating for example and letting them have this like compassionate level of curiosity when they are not feeling in control of eating when they're overeating and just letting them kind of almost be the observer, be the observer of yourself and how you're doing things and bring a level of sensitivity and love to this person. Because when we are doing something like overeating, binge eating, we're really just trying to support ourselves, take care of ourselves, nourish ourselves on a deeper level. And yes, there's, you know, there's uh, physiological things that happen. I always address that with clients who talk about blood sugar and Perhaps you're setting yourself up for overeating by not eating enough during the day or not eating, you know, the right balance of things and all that. But even when that's all said and done, a lot of my clients will be doing all of the things that have make their blood sugar stable, but they still will be holding on to a pattern of sab- sabotaging themselves in some way with food. And that's when we get into the deeper core wound uh, trauma responses that really your body's doing this for a reason. You're, you're doing this for a reason. And we're doing a lot of things for very good reason. And, um, but you don't have to do it forever. You can let go of it. And uh, I always suggest 
you know, big proponent here of find a therapist, find a coach, find a healer, someone that you resonate with that you feel comfortable with, just like I'm doing with my coach right now, Abby. It's just been really incredible for myself. Um, I've been working with amazing clients, you know, Mackie with fitness. We all have something beautiful to offer. There is a muff room to go around in this world for any of my other coaches, trainers out there who are listening to this. I think that is a huge thing to say. Let me just say it again. There's enough room to go around. Everybody <laughs> brings their unique gift and we all can have thriving businesses. And uh, there is no need to compare. There's no need to compete. Just be you, do you, and help others. I think that a lot of times we have been taught to be very, very like self-focused, almost to our detriment. We don't necessarily live in a society that supports being of service, you know, and if you're, if you happen to be in a really great family or maybe in a religious community, that might be a part of just your upbringing. But if you're, you know, I don't even know what to say, like how, if you're living a, a, a like a standard American life, I don't know even know what you would call it. <laughs> um, doesn't really focus much on serving others and being of, being of service and doing things simply for others and not for any return and not for any expectation really, really uh, fills us humans, fills us with happiness and joy and brings us pleasure. I know, Mackie, you've been talking about that doing something nice for people. You had something in an email you sent out recently to your clients. Yeah. Um... I think that was two weeks ago in my email newsletter. By the way, you can sign up in my link in bio on Instagram. Each week I send out three things that are of in my mind that week. I can tell how uncomfortable Mackie is right now promoting himself. This is and, and I just want to say <laughs> that hey, at least um, I did it. Right? It's OK. You can promote yourself. Everybody can Check promote themselves. <laughs> and it's good stuff. Um, but anyways, I had a one of the bullet points a couple weeks ago was all about, you know, the one of the better ways to find sustainable happiness is to practice doing three things and going out of your way to do those three things on a daily basis to help somebody else with no expectation of anything in return. Sounds like a like three is a lot in one day. Well, uh, three is a lot, but could if you, you can start with one, can you give me good. an example of like a, the listeners and even myself a few examples that could be like if it is three in one day that could just like seem like yeah, oh they can be yeah, just quick things like if you see somebody who's uh, having a hard time climbing over the snow piles, you know maybe you can either lend them a hand or figure out a way to help them out if you're, you know, in the social distancing era. But, you know, if they're having are, a hard time with this. you think there are people that are in a different era listening to this? <laughs> well, they could be in the future after, <laughs> after COVID is I know COVID we're really woo, but I don't think we have like alien starseeds listening to the podcast, but I could be wrong. No, it just could be, in, in, they could be listening in 2022. Oh, that is true. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you know, it's just something like that where, you know, if you have to, you know, spend an extra 25 seconds helping somebody out crossing the street, 
you know, that could go, you know, that could make that person's day. And then it helps you that much more. I have to say that all energy is returned when someone has paid for my coffee. Like when that is usually made my day when a stranger has been like, that's never got, happened to I've me. Paid, it's happened like a couple of times in my life, but that left an impact on me for the rest of the day. Just to be like, wow, there are good humans out there that just want to be nice people. So how can we just be of service to others a little more and be nicer and not just always think about ourselves? That's huge. Yeah. Um, it'll, you know, I think that there's a very healing aspect to that. All right, guys, we're going to get into the show now. We try not to go over 30 minutes when we do these uh, catch ups. Uh, for those of you who are, though, following along with us, wondering where the hell we're going to move. We still don't know. We just got back from <laughs> California last night. We'll figure it out. We will figure it out. But our lease is up officially May 13th. And I just emailed them to say we ain't re-signing. So we definitely are moving so just stay tuned follow All us right. on instagram at juliet underscore root at mackie root leave and, us a review yeah please on review apple podcast. the podcast that would just be so amazing just really fast you just hit five stars or one star i don't fucking please don't care. hit one star <laughs> whatever well, <laughs> you know be honest i like honest honest is good oh. um and lastly um mm -hmm. if you you know, get a message out of this podcast or any of our podcasts that you, that really resonates with you. And you know that somebody else could benefit from, please send, send the podcast episode that way. You can use the, uh, the little square with the up arrow on it. You know that the share button. Oh, okay. It's yeah. like a square with really, an up really arrow coming out of kind of visualizing there. what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> They'll figure it out. Yeah. All right, guys. That's, that's one way you can help somebody. Uh, that's one of your three things. Okay, there we go. Yeah. All right. Ilya Strinko, intuitive teacher, past life regression therapist, and the founder of Spiritually Curious. Ilya is a former social worker who left conventional healing behind for spiritual growth and discovery. She has trained under Dr. Brian Weiss, the world's leading expert in past life regression therapy. She's a Reiki master, craniosacral practitioner, somatic therapist, and a licensed massage therapist. Wow. Get it, Ilya. Sorry, I, just, I like to interrupt people's <laughs> bios just because it's so impressive. She now combines her expertise to help others explore their spiritual journey. Ilya offers group coaching and one-on-one -on -one sessions. Her group coaching experiences, Spiritually Curious, are online workshops created to equip beginner soul seekers with all the spiritual tools and knowledge they need to embrace their journey. Working with life... No, that is not right. Working with Ilya is a deep dive into remembering your purpose. You can learn more about her and her offerings. Check out her website, iliastranko.com. We will uh, put it all in the show notes and you can follow her on Instagram at spiritually.curious. Um, I love to follow people on Instagram like while I'm listening to the podcast that people are on. I do. Uh, I, I like simultaneously stalk and listen. So at spiritually.curious on Instagram <laughs> so you can stalk and listen. It helps to look at her pictures as as she's talking. Yeah, yeah. I always like to know like who is speaking. I want to, you know, first I like to kind of visualize and just like, you know, when you're like, I, I created a, a character and then you look, you get their picture like, wait, that is not the character I created <laughs> in my mind. <laughs> That's always really funny. You're like, wait, I thought that they were blonde and tall. Oh, nope. Dark hair and short. Um, all right, cool, guys. Well, check out this episode. Hope you love it. It was really, really mind blowing for me this hearing about episode. past life regression. And I think you'll get a lot out of it. Talk to you all soon. Bye.
the funny thing that for me, uh, my journey actually, a big part of it began with Pilates and the breath work in oh. Pilates and connecting the movement. Oh, so yeah. I totally feel um, what you're saying and how that there, there is this bridge that gets created when you're so, when you start connecting to your body in a way, and then when you connect breath work to it, it's just this whole, like with the movement, it just, I don't know, it opens up something within you. It's so true. And, yeah. yeah I so felt that, like that when I first started really practicing yoga and mm-hmm. that was a really transformative year. And I didn't really put two and two together until later. And when I realized how many shifts occurred for me and that there was some magic happening with mm-hmm. the breath and the movement and the and the yoga like postures and even you know when i learned later you know when i went and did it the yoga teacher training after i was been practicing like oh like when you're doing a sun salutation you're really just like it's your auric field that you're like reaching your arms around like what you know and i'm like okay it makes sense why it was sort of like really opening up doorways for me and into healing other parts of myself. That's when I got really into like, you know, self-development and like spent most of the time in the self-help aisle at Barnes and Noble, just like eating up all these like books and like, why do I act the way I act? Why do other people act the way they act? You know, (laughs) (laughs) the analytical part of, you know, spirituality. I think there's different phases for people, but that's the, you know, phase that I was in first was like body work analyze the hell out of your human you know like avatar how you work and try to kind of see like how other people are programmed and then now for me I'm more into the like somatic getting in to the like subconscious mind so yeah yeah. so it's yeah so Mackie already hit record so this is great we've been trying to just do it because what happens is we start organically having these conversations and then we're like, man, why didn't we hit record? So we're, you know, we're, we're <laughs> off to the races here, everyone. We have Ilya on the show. Very excited to have you here. Um, you've been popping up on social media for me with other people that I'm connected with in the Philadelphia area. So that's always nice. And you're, I'm just keep seeing your name, seeing your name. Like, all right. Love her spirit. Love her energy. Need to get her on the WooCast. So thank you for coming on. Yeah, thanks so much for inviting me. I'm grateful to be here for sure. Uh, lots of questions for you. And I'm we can just ready. like dive right <laughs> in. Okay, well, we definitely want to talk to you about past life regression work mm-hmm. because that's something that um, you specialize in and work with people on. Mm-hmm. I really want to talk to the listeners about that because I find it to be so fascinating. And okay. uh, before we get into like the nitty gritty of like all of that, I just yeah. want to know more about you. And, you know, long story long, however you want to make it, we've got some time to kind of like find out like, who are you? Why are you here? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> we start with the softball questions. Yeah. Well, you know, it started back in 19. 19- no, I'm kidding. Um, totally joking. But so 
So, yeah, well, I mean, everyone knows my name by now. Well, not everyone, but you guys know my name is Ilya. And I'm a, I call myself a soulpreneur. Like I'm an entrepreneur in this whole different realm of spirit-driven businesses. And, um, and my main focus within work is to help people embrace their path, really similar to what you're doing in terms of this podcast and letting people see that there's all of these parts of us that that we get to shine the light on. And when we're brave enough, we get to dig a little deeper into that and make our own light really bright from doing that. And um, and we help other people through doing that type of work. And that's really, I guess, at the core of what I do, that's my goal is to help people shine as bright as possible using all of these different um, techniques. And past life regression therapy is one of them. Um, I do one-on-one coaching. We're all spirit driven, all about all from like a chakra energetic uh, foundation. And then I also I teach courses and that's probably where you were seeing me pop up for uh, for a minute in people's feeds and stuff was because my course was launching and um, and I only launched that one twice a year. So when it does go like everyone kind of supports the team, you know? which is really nice to see other people supporting each other in their oh, business. It's yeah. really a beautiful thing to see. And it's so important. It's so valuable. You know, all of the relationships that you create. I mean, for the longest time, I was so scared and like sitting in my little office, like not telling anyone what I was doing. And, um, and now, you know, once I kind of stepped into the spiritual landscape fully and fully embraced me, you know, who I am and what my, you know, overarching life goal is, it was like the floodgates opened and all of, you know, all of a sudden I had all these opportunities that I had never had. And, um, and that's how, you know, I always tell people that's how you know you're on the right path because it all just starts opening. Yeah. That's really a great thing to have people here, myself included, because so many times we force things and we're Mm -hmm. forcing the wrong things for ourselves. And Kind of when you can tune into what's coming easy, what's just being shown to me, that's something to just like follow that, follow that light, even if it's just small at first, you know. And another thing I've been thinking about a lot lately is just allowing people to follow their curiosity because I don't think people follow that enough. Yes. There's always, um, you know, in our society, like, what am I going to gain from this? How's this going to better my life or my family's life or like how are people going to perceive me society rather than following just your heart and what makes you curious. Totally. And I think too, the other conversation, the other side of that conversation is what am I going to lose? You know, what, what do I have to let go of? Everything. (laughs) Right. I know just talking about this last night because we both got into a really funky headspace And I said, well, let's play a game. Let's play the what if game. Okay, so Mm -hmm. what if this were to happen? Then it's like, then that. Well, then, okay, what if we end up there? Then that, you know, it's like, okay, play the what if game. And then at the end of it, it's always like, well, then I'm just going to die. Like, there's always this level of like, it ends like with you have no safety. You know, you have no money. You have no home. It's just like, you know, and um I just, to me, I'm like, that's just not true. You all, you have choice. You have free will. You can, I'm like, so if that happened, then guess what? You can make a choice to go to this path. But sometimes we're just so blocked to see like that there's any other way. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. And I think 
you know, half half of the work in this is getting out of our own way and seeing all of the the ways where we we block our own gifts, our own insight, the thing, the ways that people are trying to help us and support us. You know, we sometimes we don't even see that because we're so, you know, nose down going in one specific direction that we don't even realize the little breadcrumbs that are are being laid out in front of us. So I'm I'm a huge, huge believer in that there are actually no coincidences. There mm-hmm. is a divinely timed reason for everything, even um, information that we receive, right? Like or books that kind of come to us at the right time, where if that same book came to you a year ago, maybe you would have been like, okay, and like got through a chapter of it or read it from like a totally different headspace and put it away and it would have no impact. But then you read it at the right time or you meet the right person at the right time and all of a sudden it all makes sense. So I don't, I don't think there's any coincidences when it comes to this anymore, you know, and like the what if game is so fun because you can, you can see you can well. You can go down many rabbit holes with the what is. Well, you game. can see what I what I've been calling. I heard this on another podcast, and I just love it. Like mental gymnastics that you play, basically. Mm-hmm. You're like let's yes. backbend this way, and then go this way, and then tumble around to basically like create this narrative that doesn't serve you. And yeah. it's really interesting how much we can torture ourselves with our own stories and the mental gymnastics that we play with ourselves. Totally. Totally. And another thing I, you know, uh, I want to just bring up to someone who is like in this soul space, you know, soul entrepreneur space. And, you know, even if you're so like spiritually in tune, you're still experiencing this world, this 3D world, and you can't bypass feeling bad. Like you're going to be times. And I think as I'm getting more into this, it's like, Part of you just wants to feel like really good and love and light and really good all the time. And this is like so unrealistic. Yes. And yeah. so when you have a really shitty day, it, it to me lately, it's almost amplified more than it has been in the past because I'm like, wait, what is going on here? I'm, you know, I'm really trying to like rise above my, you know, my rea- my reality that I had prior. And I'm trying to create this really new, abundant, beautiful space. And it's like, okay, there, you know, it's not, it's not just this or that. It's like, there's both, there's beauty, there's pain. It's all of it. It's all of it. And I, and I think this is such an important conversation and especially as you get further and further along and some of the people here maybe haven't heard this yet, or they have heard it, but the idea of spiritual bypassing and that, that, yeah, I, I know. Right. Like, it's like that idea that, we're not allowed to feel our feelings because we're so spiritual, right? Like we're so, you know, like the high vibe t-shirt, like all day long, like I'm just high vibe. And and the truth is, is that that is not spirituality at all. That is not being in tune with your spirit or who you are when you just ignore the pain, right? All of this work is meant so that you have tools that you can move I think hopefully faster or at whatever pace feels right and good for you through those moments, through those painful experiences, through those um, 
the things that we don't always want to talk about, right? Because we want to just, it feels so good when we get to that space, right? And, but the reality is, is that we're earthbound. So, and we're here to learn lessons. And some of those lessons are painful lessons. And, but when we're connected to our spirit, we get to pull from this whole new kit that didn't exist before. So then we can, we can be like, no, no, no. I actually, let me, what, what does this mean? What, what is this telling me? What is my body telling me? And you can actually take a moment to process that emotion as opposed to ignoring it and just letting another emotion pile on another emotion, another emotion until you kind of explode and have, you know, a fight with your spouse for no reason. Yeah. But from what seems like no reason, but it's just this layering of things that you didn't process. And that's so important. I think it's so important for us to to move away from that space of like, well, I want to be meditating all day long because that feels so good. Yes, I would. I like, yes, yes. I want to <laughs> do that too. But, you know, I've, I have two kids. I yell at them. I'm not a perfect mom. You know, like I, I don't want to yell at them, but there are times, you know, like we, we're earthbound. We're having a very human experience so that we can learn. And when did you realize that we were, you know, earthbound and that we're souls that are here to learn lessons? When was this concept brought up to you or did you just know it within yourself when you were young? Curious about your journey. Yeah, I mean, I think for my journey, you know, I, I'm unique in that my family has always had a, a context or a conversation about you know, if people have passed on, we've always believed that they are still with us. And, you know, so it's never been so far from me or someone in my family to be like, oh, that was just great grandma, like that knock on the wall or that smell mm -hmm. of flowers. That's how I know my great grandmother is around. Um, but things like that. It, so I grew up with the conversation there, but I, I turned off all of that when, I, as I got older and had, and was getting scared, I had experiences that scared me. So I, I turned some of that off for sure. And then I always joke that I fast forwarded into um, a socially acceptable healer because my journey started as a social worker. I was a social worker for 10 years. And, and I really think I wasn't, I was being called to help and, and be a healer, quote unquote, but, but I wasn't ready to stand fully in the spiritual landscape yet. <laughs> and it took me many years to do that. But over time, you know, through books, you know, like you said, I mean, I, I probably could have like rented space at Barnes and Noble and the self-help section. And, you know, they probably could have made money from me for the amount of <laughs> sat in the aisle being like, is this the book? I think it is, you know, and, and reading. And so I learned so much. And then, um, and it was like, I was sharing before I started studying Pilates. I mean, I got really deep into Pilates and that brought me into breath work and the connection between our mind and our body. And then that brought me into spirit and it brought me into so many other places uh, but it, but it was really a self-discovery and learning tools to help other people. So everything I learned, I kept using it as a way, like, I'm going to take this course because I'm going to bring it to, um, 
to my clients. Like I'm going to learn about meditation and breath work so that I can help. This was when I was a social worker so that I can help my clients with something that's really inexpensive and accessible to them. Like you don't need anything to begin to meditate. You don't need anything to learn uh, except for like the desire to take a deep breath and the pause. Right. Um, so that's, that's kind of how I started, but it was just book after book. And then some really big experiences happened that really, uh, shifted me. And I was like, all right, I'm done playing around like this. Can't, would you mind telling one of the experiences? Sure. Sure. Um, okay. So do you want like a little kid experience or do you want like a professional experience? I say little kid. Let's start there and then we'll work up. All right. Mackie wants a little kid experience. Okay. So when I was a little girl, one of the things that I, that I know would happen um, from stories that people would tell me was I would connect with my um, family members who had passed on. And I was little, I was like three years old playing in my bedroom and I would just talk to, um, to no one. And I would be laughing. Well, it seemed like no one, but I would be laughing. And and my mom and my uncle will always joke that our dog like wouldn't go upstairs whenever I was upstairs, like kind of playing in my room. And then I was going through a photo album with my mom and I pointed to three women in the photo album. And I said, Oh mommy, those are the ladies I play with in my room. And they were three people in my family that had passed away. So after that, my whole family was like, Oh my God, <laughs> guess what she, you know, like everybody yeah. freaked out that I could like do all of these things, you know, but I was like three. You know? So, so, but I, but I always had that, I guess. And then, and I think we all do. I don't think that I'm, you know, a unicorn in that way. Like, I think we all have those abilities and then we teach, we unlearn them so that we can be earthbound. And so that it's, I think sometimes we get scared for those of us that are, that are meant to kind of do this in a bigger way here. I think we get scared of, of what that means and what that, and how we receive that information. Um, but I think we all have this ability. And then let's see. So, so that, so that was when I was really little and, you know, the moment when I turned it all off, um, at least now as an adult, looking back, I think one of the scarier things that I experienced was later. And I was probably seven or eight. And I was going through a really hard time. Like my parents were getting divorced. I, you know, we had just moved from Long Island to um, New Jersey and it was just a really hard time. It was probably, you know, as a child, probably one of the, probably my dark night of the soul, right? Like my darkest place when I was little. And I remember I was going to bed and I was, I was crying, you know, we had had like a, a tough day. And, um, and I felt, I finally fell asleep and I, and sometimes I tear up when I even talk about it. So if I do, I'm sorry in advance, but, um, and I woke up and on the edge of my bed, I could see, um, the best way I can describe it is like 
almost like what you would see in a movie, like a halo of light. I couldn't see a face. I couldn't see anything, but I could see, you know, like what I would envision to be head and shoulders and like a shape. Right. And it was, it was pretty bright and I was so freaked out. Like it wasn't, it did not feel good to me. I was scared. And, you know, and again, knowing what I know about energy now, I know that I was more earthbound. I was more rooted. Like the, the idea of seeing that was, you know, like there should be a person. If I feel that amount of energy, I should see a physical person. I should not see, you know, a glowing thing of light, right? Like that's, (laughs) that's like scary at that age. So, or at any age when, when you do get used to it, but whatever, um, excuse me. But then, so that same night, as I'm looking at that light, you know, I felt like I couldn't move. I felt like I was, I just, I felt like the air would like left the room. I was just having a hard time breathing, you know, and then this light moved, you know, I had like a twin bed and it just moved across um, from the foot of my bed and started coming towards me, um, towards the head of my bed. And I'll never forget. And I can still see it. Like I can still see it. And it was like this hand or, and it, I hate to describe it as a hand because it was just like, I'll just say a light that I interpreted as a hand um, coming down and just placed on my forehead and I freaked out inside, but I felt like, but I couldn't move. And, and I just got so upset. And then I heard you're going to be okay. Mm. You're all going to be okay. And I just lost it. Like, I just, um, like I just froze and I, and I just, I was terrified. It was as much as I know now that it was meant to be comforting. I like, I just freaked out. And then after that, anytime I felt that sensation, I would just say to myself, and I did this for years. I would be like, I do not want to see you. I do not want to see you. Anyone who is here, like you're not, I don't want to see anyone like you have to go. And I just, it was like, before I had, before I knew about mantras, that was like my mantra. Like Mm -hmm. if if I like, you need to go away. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I just, pushed it away and I ignored it for years because it was so very scary. Um, so that was definitely like when I turned it off and like one of those really big moments in my childhood that, that is now something that I know, I know what that was, but, um, but I could not embrace that (laughs) then. Yeah. Without having any kind of background or, you know, knowing at that time, like, education or nobody to tell you about these things it's like it's super scary yeah yeah and you know it's like something you see in a movie and and who do you talk to about those things right for as open as my family was like how do I like I didn't talk to anyone about that I didn't tell anyone I just you know I was just I was literally terrified so why do you think that you as how old are you? Nine? Probably seven? like seven or eight. Oh. Yeah. So seven-year-old Ilya, how come that experience showed itself to you versus a seven-year-old Mackie? You know, why not? 
Like how come, or, or like a seven-year-old Juliet, like how come, you know, why you, like, why, like, were, were you the cho- chosen to see something like this or experience this versus other children, you know, at your age who didn't have something like that happen to them? Yeah. Well, you know, I think that, that we all have different levels of sensitivity and different levels of openness at different times. And I think it shifts and it changes. And my guess is things like that probably did happen, but you just thought of it as a dream or you just didn't, it didn't have that as big of a scary impact because you were in some sort of lucid state or whatever or what have you so i think we all probably have experiences like that um but for i think the the timing of that because i was going through such a hard time in my life i was having a hard time sleeping i had finally fallen asleep so even if her intention was to come in my dream where it was safe um or safer and I would have interpreted it probably differently. I I wasn't there and she was. And I yeah. and I have a really big connection with my great grandmother who has passed. And so for my family, I think too, you know, the veil has kind of always been thinner. Like we've yeah. always, you know, we've I grew up smudging. I grew up, you know, you couldn't walk into a house unless my grandfather come and came and cleared the house. Like no one could move in, you know? So I kind of grew up in that way too, where it wasn't so weird if I was playing with my great grandma. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You know, I think there's a, a different uh, sensitivity. I almost there. wonder if I had an experience like when I was maybe three or something like that and it made me afraid and just like turn it off because i had a very similar mantra and i was terrified of the thought of a ghost when i was a kid or an entity or whatever you want to call it and i almost wonder if that's because of something because it was kind of a weird a weird like i was overly terrified you know like more so than maybe didn't you say you had some experience where somebody was at the foot of your bed and then you that was later Uh, But then you were like waited for your mom to get out of the shower. You stood like stood outside the door. Remember? Yeah. So I, um, I went to, I was, uh, my mom put me into bed and she was, uh, kind of sitting on the edge of the bed for a little while. And then I closed my eyes and she must've left and I opened my eyes again. And I thought my mom was still sitting there. It was like dark, similar thing. It wasn't a bright, bright light, but I could see sort of like the outline of a person sitting there and just like watching over me. And I was like, mom, you don't need to sit here anymore. Go, you know, go take a shower, go do your thing. And, you know, I'm going to be, I'll fall asleep in a second. And she didn't answer. And I closed my eyes, open them up again, like 10 minutes later, or however long later, the outline is still there. And I was like, mom. And I reached out to touch her and my hand goes straight through it. And it, and it just like disappeared. And I was like, whoa. So that, so then I was like, and my mom was in the shower at the time. I just went and sat outside the shower. I was like, she's like, why aren't you in bed? I was like, I can't go back. But that was later. (laughs) That was later. I mean, I was already scared of ghosts. Yeah. So you might've been being communicated with when you were young. Yeah. 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 And I think we do because, you know, from an energetic standpoint, what happens is that as we become more grounded in this body, I'll say we start 
closing down, if you will, that connection, because I do think it can be really confusing for our physical body, especially when we're little, to try to make sense of these different planes. And so I think it's very intentional and very much so by design that we forget, if you will, that that we have that ability and it just grounds us more into our physical Mm -hmm. Is the goal you think for coming to earth to forget, but then relearn? I think, yes. I, so I think it's all about lessons. I think we come here, we have agreements, we have contracts with different people. We have agreements that we've made. We've had lessons that we're here to learn and, and we agree to them before we come, before we come down. And then, you know, some people will teach that we actually go through, um, a pool, if you will. It's like a pool of forgetfulness before we come down. Like mm. our soul, our spirit decides what we're going, what lessons we're learning in this life and, um, and who we're going to be learning those from. Right. And we all have these agreements, good and bad. Um, and then we, you know, step through the waters of, well, I've, I'll say of forgetfulness <laughs> and then we, and then we come down and it's very intentional um, because if you knew all of the answers, then why would you take time yeah. to learn? Yeah. Yeah. Just to remind me, you're saying a pool of forgetfulness, not really anything to do with this, but I will never forget the dream I had. I think the moment my dad died, I had mm-hmm. this, I, when I was 16, um, he passed away. He had a heart attack and the dream that I had was staring into this like fountain of water and I could see my reflection in the water. And then I just head first, just like fell into the fountain and it basically just shot me up into the sky. And it was that moment that when I, I just went, that dream to me was the moment that he left, like his soul left the body. And that was like, almost like an interpretation of it and that yeah pretty beautiful i i think was a beautiful dream it's so beautiful yeah. yeah yeah i mean there's so much that happens when someone transitions and and that's definitely sounds like one of those ways and one of those ways that he was connecting with you to share that that with you yeah are you okay martha the cat she is very I heard like a little like shaman kitty, like oh, and- <laughs> she, when we're talking about when I'm doing like energy, I just did um my Reiki level one with Amber and she would never let me do Reiki. Like she always has to come over when I'm doing energy work and just start like licking me and meowing and going. They're very sensitive to energy cats. They are so sensitive. They are the best meters, cats and dogs, dogs. I'm like, if a dog doesn't like someone, I'm, I'm out. You're out. They- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> No, I think the cat I heard I, I heard this recently that cats are more attracted to like changing energy. So it's not necessarily could be good energy or, you know, it could be positive or negative. But there's like a lot of energy they're attracted to. But dogs are much more attracted to positive energy. Oh, that's so interesting. I've never heard that about cats, um, but cat, but they are. I mean, they're so in tune and they're so intuitive. It's yeah. uh, cats so cool. remember when I was little and I would be crying or something the cat would always come over to me to comfort me or if you didn't oh, feel yeah. well if you were sick they really just are there to just love you and be these unconditional little beings 
Yeah, they know. They yeah. know before you know when you need a yeah. snuggle. It's so true. Yeah. <laughs> So I'm really, okay. So I'm really curious about the past life stuff that you do and the work that you do. So tell me more about past life regression. I have had one session a long, long time ago with someone. Um, mm -hmm. We did past life regression work and um, yeah, the floor is yours to talk about this. Cause it's, I think it's so fascinating. Mm, so this is, this is one of my favorite things to talk about and to share about. I, love past life regression therapy. Um, I was lucky enough uh, that if you've ever heard of Brian Weiss, I was lucky enough to study under Brian Weiss. And um, so I feel very, very, very fortunate. I waited years to do that. How did you end up connecting with him? Because, well, he teaches a workshop under for past life regression therapy, but he only teaches it once a year. And it's at Omega in, oh, in nice. State New York. We love it and there. It, yes, right. I it's mean, so it's so like calming, and it's such good energy there. It's amazing. It's amazing. And he, um, so he just opens up enrollment once a year, and then and people from all around the world sign up, and it's like it, it just closes. I mean, it feels like it opens and it closes the second that it does. So it's very, it was very hard to, <laughs> to do it. And then, um, so I, I don't know. I was just, the timing was right. Like when I went to do it and there were years when I had my boys and I had wanted to go, but I just couldn't, um, figure out how to do that yet. So, so anyhow, so I was lucky enough to study under him, but his book, um, many lives, many masters. If you haven't read it, I highly, highly recommend it. It that book is the book that was given to me when I was a social worker and probably was the beginning of changing my entire career, but I didn't know then. It took many more years. But once I read that book, I was so fascinated by past life regression therapy and and it just brings you into this different realm of understanding who we are, why we're here. And it actually brought me to a place of being very comfortable with, with my own death, yeah. with people passing away in general. Not that I want anyone to pass away. I don't. I love all my earth beings. Like, I want you here. However, I do have a level of comfort that I've learned from past life regression therapy and from that book in that we don't end, you know, like our, our physical body may not be able to carry us forward anymore for what, for many different reasons, but our spirit doesn't stop, you know, or that, that consciousness that we can't trace that no one can figure out where it begins and how it right that continues on and there's so much about the body right about a physical body that we don't know that we don't understand and that we're still learning and there's always something new happening and this is the piece that I think will always be answered by spirit it will always be answered by that connection to something bigger than us is is through this and i don't know that science will ever be able to measure it i mean maybe it'll get that sensitive but i think where people get a little scared when when it comes to some of these concepts and beliefs with past lives and reincarnation 
is the idea that you are losing your identity, like the current identity you have now of being, you know, Ilya, who lives here, who does this, who has these friends, who has these these family members that that when you die just ceases to exist. And it's like blank slate. All right. We're just going to end yeah. up like being born again and not remembering having this amnesia. I think people yeah. feel like that kind of diminishes what you've done in this lifetime, you know, knowing that you, there's others. Yeah. I, and I hear that. I totally hear that because people do come with those concerns for sure. And the truth is, is that there's so much strength in looking at the people in your current life and, and realizing all of the ways that you have been together for a really long time, that you, you're not just walking in this life with them, you knew them before. And there's so many people that I'm sure you've had this experience where you've met someone and you just connected with them immediately. And you're like, gosh, I feel like I've known you before, right? We have all this language around it. We have all these words to describe the truth that we have had past lives, but we don't actually like connect that all of the time, but we have the language, right? And we'll say that. We'll say, oh my gosh, I feel like I've known you before. I feel like I've known you all my life. And yes, you have, and your spirits recognized each other. And now you're like, ah, I found you. I found you. I've been waiting to find you in this life. And here you are, right? And there's just something so beautiful and magical about that to me. And I just, and I love you know, I think about it as spiritual stages of development and, you know, and we're here and we're learning different lessons. And every single time we come, we're learning more lessons. And so when people come to me and they ask me that, I, and I'll say things like, do you remember when you were one? Like chances are you don't, right? Most people don't remember when they were one. But there's plenty of pictures and that like your parents will tell you, you were definitely one years old. Somebody will definitely confirm that at some point you were one. But just because you don't remember, it doesn't mean that that you didn't have all of these experiences that then created who you are now. Mm -hmm. Right. And so you're you're not you're just growing and all of the people that you travel with you know, in, we'll say your, your spiritual community or your spiritual family, they come back and they just show up in different people, right? Like, so they may be, you know, your partner, they may have been your mom or your dad or, and it's so interesting when you get to explore those relationships, because it helps you make sense of your relationship in this life and why you do the th the dance that you do with each other now, um, good and bad. It really helps you understand it. So the idea of having past lives and then kind of that building upon who you are now, like each lifetime kind of builds upon each other, more lessons, yeah. more lessons, you know? Yes, and so and that, you're, that you didn't finish learning, you're going to learn, you're going to finish here. We're going, you learn and learn and learn the lesson until you are done learning the lesson. How many and times even, you got to do it, Ilya? Right? How many? I know, I know. That's <laughs> like a thousand? Story. Like, um, I mean, I was reading that it's until you say I'm done. <laughs> yeah, well, the funniest thing when I was uh, studying under Brian Weiss, he always jokes and he's the funniest person even though he's like super monotone like his he has no inflection but uh -huh. he's so funny so you have to like listen for it yeah um, 
but he jokes a lot about old souls and how we take like so much pride in like being an old soul. And he, he jokes and he's like, well, what didn't you learn yet? Like what like, <laughs> how many times are you coming back to learn these yeah. lessons? So I just thought that's always so funny. And I say that, you know, I've been here a long time, so I'm definitely, well, you soul. must like it. Right. I mean, in terms of you deciding if you're going to do this, do you have a say, you know, like when you, that you're going to come back and do it again, or could you decide, you know, I don't want to, but something I, you know, we've been hearing a lot is that souls like to come into, like to come to earth. Cause it's like, it is, you know, you're, you're, there is this 3d reality things like, you don't know everything and it's kind of like fun, even though it doesn't always seem that way, but it's like, Oh, let's go back to earth because that's a fun playground. Yeah. And I think this is the only place where we, at least that I'm aware of at this point that we have the physical experiences that we have here. And, and that's, and I think there's, you know, different planes where we learn different lessons and and we have a choice when and how we're going to learn those lessons. So the same way that I believe that we come down and we choose the lessons that we're going to learn here, I think when we um, transition and we go into, you know, that phase, we choose how long we're going to stay and what lessons we're going to learn there so that then when we continue to make these cycles and wherever we, whichever plane, right, you know, my vision is that we keep getting higher and higher in our spiritual plane every time we come down. Um, We keep learning more about not just our physical, but the spiritual and how that connects. And that's why you'll hear so many um, healers and teachers in the spiritual space be like, yeah, I'm an old soul because they, because I do think you, you do, you know, you, you keep graduating and coming with a little bit more knowledge, even though, you know, little babies, they are full of information. They are full of knowledge. Like you can see it in their eyes. They, they know, they know something. Yeah. For past life regression therapy, how does the process work and how can it really help people? Yeah. So really it's, um, it's part hypnosis, part meditation is the way that I describe it. And, and I used to do it in my office and now I do it all online. Um, and, and it works. Like people always ask me, does it work online? And it does. Um, and you know, and I'm, and I was surprised too, cause I wasn't sure, you know, I wasn't sure the first if it if it would, but it totally does. And the way that you do it is you just you you basically walk someone through a very specific meditation that um that kind of brings them back, we'll say in their memory. And you just and and the thing with it is that, you know, I always let everyone know you know, what are your goals? What are the specific things that you want to learn or you want to um, get from this experience? And then I also say, we will do our best (laughs) to go to the origin of that if we can, because because your spirit is going to bring you to the life that you're meant to learn about in that moment. So it may not always be exactly the one that you were wanting to go back to, but, um, 
Yeah, I'm thinking mm-hmm. p- back when I was young and I would think about past lives I'm like, well, maybe I was a queen, you know, <laughs> things like that yeah. when you're young and you're just being playful. But yeah. maybe you were also a man in the war. I, who knows, you know? Yeah. And, and a lot of times I think, too, people get really freaked out because they're like, am I going to see myself pass away? Mm. Like, am I going to see myself die? And, and, and sometimes you do, um, which is which sounds on the surface, and I know this sounds crazy, but it sounds like it's going to be terrifying and awful, right? It's, and this is one of the things, again, where I've found comfort in the transition is that it's not, when you're in it and you're seeing it, it's actually not that scary. It's not, you're just like, oh, wow. And I know it sounds so weird, but you're like, oh, wow, that's happening. Well, it's like a movie in your mind, you're watching a movie. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and when I do, when I do these sessions, I cue you, like I'm watching you even online, I'm watching you and I'm watching your, for your facial expressions. I'm watching for any signs of discomfort. I'm watching to make sure that you're doing okay so that I can check in with you and, and guide you through the process. So if I notice that, that you're physically doing something, but you're not verbally talking about it, I'll cue you and say, and let you know, um, you know, just remember that if you're seeing something that's painful or you're experiencing something right now, you can rise above and see it as if you're watching a movie. That's almost exactly what I would say. Um, so that, so that again, you don't have to physically feel everything when you're experiencing past life regression therapy, you can rise above the scene just like a movie. Um, So you know, as an example of somebody is rising above a scene and let's say they are witnessing their own death. Mm-hmm. How is it helpful for somebody to see something like that and under and the understanding? Where do you go from there? You know? Well, usually when it comes to something like that, if we're seeing that, it's because you have a really big fear around something in this life that was attributed to that specific passing. So you know, the big ones that always come up are like drowning. If you have like a crazy fear of drowning and then it has, and then you get to, I mean, you have the opportunity to, to see where that originated. And then what we do is, you know, we do work around letting that sink in so that, you know, actually that's why you have that fear, but it's not going to happen right right now. It happened then. And you're just remembering that, right. And you brought that forward and you actually brought that forward. If you, if you study epigenetics um, a bit, they talk about this from like a genetic standpoint, but I believe that it happens in our spiritual space as well, that it's a survival mechanism, right? It's like, no, 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 that happened to me. So I'm totally freaked out by pools and waters because I, I do not want that to happen again. You're trying to survive the experience that happened. So you have this deep rooted fear, but there's no basis for it in this life. Like nothing's ever happened. You know, people yeah. ask, well, did you almost drown? And you're like, no. And, but, but you did. And when you see it, you get power back. You can call, you can say, you know what? I'm totally safe. Like I'm fine. Like that actually that did happen. And I did pass and I'm back. Like, because we don't, it doesn't, our spirit doesn't stop. Like our physical body might, but our spirit doesn't. 
Do you recommend people doing multiple sessions for this? Because obviously there a lot of people have had more than one life. And you're saying that in this therapy, oftentimes you're going to be shown something that is a lesson for you to, you know, to be able to understand and learn, okay, this is where maybe I'm experiencing this fear. It's coming from this place. Um, but we can have multiple fear, fears, right? And multiple things mm-hmm. that kind of block us. So in terms of just understanding, is it useful for someone to do it multiple times? Is it a one and done kind of process? You know, how has yeah, that been for you? I think it depends on the person. It depends on where they're at. I don't think it's something that you have to do over and over and over. Um, I think sometimes people do it almost like novelty. Like they just want to see, you know, like what it's like. Um, but if you're doing it to really work work through something or to explore something deeper, no matter what, um, you're something is going to come up for you to reflect on and and explore in this life. And then and then we can do other sessions that kind of complement what came up. Um, and but there are times when you know this session is, and sometimes I debate if I should make it even longer because you'd be surprised. We do two hours and it's done and it's done so fast. And I'm, I'm like trying to wrap someone up so that we can end um, the session and trying to like get them to, to come back because you'll stay like, you'll be like, let's go back to another one. Like we can keep going back. I mean, we could sit there probably for hours and just keep kind of moving between different lives, you know? Um, so sometimes, you know, we are kind of left in like a cliffhanger and it's like, Oh, let's go. Like, let's, <laughs> more about let's that. continue this next for, week for my skeptics yeah. out there. You yeah. are thinking to themselves, well, it, you could just be using your imagination. Yeah. Thoughts on that? Maybe it is. That's how Maybe I feel it about it, too, because I have yeah. done so much like hypnosis work and um, imagery work with different therapists for so many years to support me with a lot of trauma that I've held like in my body. And yeah. I always come out because I, I am I do have a skeptical side to me. and you know, I'm, I always trying to like discern between like, is something helpful? Is something not helpful? Like, is it real? Is it not real? Like, you know, it's just kind of, I think it's a lot. I have a lot of Scorpio placements. So it's just, (laughs) I'm always like, are they out to get me? You know, but, and then I'm like, no, 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 everything's fine. But, um, for my own personal experience, I just, regardless of if it's my own imagination, fabricating up these other worlds just like you do in a dream you you could say that the same thing happens in your dream world right where there's it's just this imaginary like these imaginary wild moments right in dreamland it's so funny because it's like you go from one one image to another like all of a sudden you're swimming then you're flying like it's pretty amazing right i always just ask myself when i'm having these experiences like how do you feel And so many times I just feel transformed. That's the only way I can describe it. You know, like I was able to really get out of my analytical, like conscious mind and move into another realm where you can access things that you really aren't able to access when you're just like trying to think your way out of something. Yeah. And that's that power of like, the hit no and it's you know i think i also think and from you know hip 
like hypnosis, because I'm doing some of that work right now. And I'm going to be in a mentorship program to be able to help my clients. Cool. And um, if you had asked me what it was years ago, I would have thought like, oh, you're, you're going to be out of control. Or I actually was like, I will never be able to be hypnotized because I'm so I'm so earthbound. Like I was, I'm so, I was so attached, you know, I was the person who like could not meditate, right. Could not be hypnotized. Cause like, I'm just like, I'm so like, I'm here in this physical world. Um, but it's not like that. I mean, you're conscious. You are, you're like awake, but you're just going somewhere else. Yeah, totally. And I, and when it comes to imagination versus not imagination, you know, I, I always tell people, you know, like you, like you just explained, like, does it matter? Because if you found healing through your imagination or through whatever belief you think just happened, if you found healing and you walk away transformed or you walk away a better human than you started, then who who cares? Like, does it matter? Or if it gave you an access point to feel. Because yeah. I find a lot for people, myself included, when we're walking around with all of the kind of like mundane life things that we have to do, you know, take mm-hmm. care of the house, take care of the kids, whatever it is, that we may be storing some feelings and emotions and they kind of pack in over time. And then mm-hmm. when you give yourself this space to create, imagine, sometimes it will bring those emotions to the surface for you to cry and let it out. And then you just, that's a very cleansing feeling. I haven't done the research on this, but I keep thinking about this. I just need to go look into it more. But supposedly when you're crying, you are um, like lowering your cortisol, you know, your stress, like the actual tears Mm -hmm. when you're releasing tears, it has something, you know, it's doing something to your stress hormone. Go look that up, everybody. Tell me if that's real. <laughs> I just been hearing that. And I'm like, that's I'm like, that's amazing. Just that, you yeah. know, that that's such yeah, a release. Soothing mechanism, right? It's a way for us to get these feelings, you know, emotions out of our out of our body, because when they stay in our physical body is when we when we start having those physical symptoms, right? Because those emotions, those feelings, we've swallowed, you know, for too long, and they come out in different ways. You know, one of the biggest things that I'm sure I would imagine you see this a lot in the fitness world is, um, uh, left shoulder pain, like people that have this shoulder issue that just won't go away. And it's almost always over there or around their left shoulder, just be below, um, just below their, what is it? Your scapula. I'm forgetting now. Um, I've had this for years. Yeah. And it's usually <laughs> the heart chakra. It's like your heart chakra uh. is your, like you need a little, little work with it. Right. And yeah. then once you there's normally I see them as doors like these little energy doors on people's bodies and um, once you start working within that and letting that energy move through whether through tears through there's all of these different ways to access that right and that's why there's all of these different modalities that that you can use to access it it's just who's the right person to help you through that to guide you through to open that door if you will into that and once you do, the shoulder pain goes away. So, I mean, I've, and that is, 
is almost where I, that's almost like where I started was because of um, social work brought me into emotions, brought me into, into, you know, where that was in people's physical body. And then I went to massage school and opened a massage practice. And then that brought me, you know, all of these different things that kind of like weaved themselves together. But now that's, you know, what I've learned over and over and over. So many of the (laughs) symptoms that come in physical and like the energetic undercurrent of it. That's so beautiful. I love just hearing about your story and how you went from social work to body work, to energy work, to soul work, you know, and intertwining it all. Uh, just what an awesome like job you have. Yeah. <laughs> right. I know. I joke all the time, like no one would hire me. So I had to go into business. <laughs> like, I had to start my own business or like, what would I be doing? Like, th- like, where is the resume for this? You can't find it. Like, but it's becoming so much more like popular I don't even know that's the right word but people are really like seeking this kind of work right now and opening themselves up more to alternative healing methods yeah you know and it's so important because we as a culture here we don't have this dialogue we don't have a dialogue around our energetic body and and that it actually exists and is a real thing and so it's it's amazing to see the difference that has happened through the years of of how much easier it is to talk about this with someone than than before. I mean, years ago, I wouldn't even explain to anyone what I was doing. Well, like, and science is catching up to it, yeah. which is really amazing because for a lot of, you know, because of how we've been brought up, you know, science is very important for people mm-hmm. to be able to understand what this is, where it comes from, and that there is real truth behind it. Not yeah. just somebody like, you know, quote unquote, woo woo. Yeah. <laughs> That's why we want yeah. to call this the woo cast, just because, you know, and we're not, you know, making fun of that at all, because like, I'm, you know, so I'm so woo, Mackie, so woo. Right. We all are. But it's, you know, that, that things that um were woo woo, back then are not anymore and are so acceptable even in like the medical community like acupuncture for example Mm -hmm. you know and there's actual scientific study to show how you know how acupuncture works and that it's effective for pain management and you know all of these things but that would have been like oh what's that you know what is that that doesn't do anything that's a bunch of hooey you know yeah, for so long, that's what that's what people, you know, thought. And now, like you said, science is totally starting to to come around and, and to study it. Right. Because for so long, I think people just didn't study it. You yeah, know, you get ostracized just for bringing up the study of it. Right. Well, yeah. It's like and the unknown are- is uncomfortable for people. And like you said, scary. People get scared with the idea of spirits. And, you know, that there's other dimensions and a lot Mm -hmm. of it, I think, is because of like how it's been played out in movies, on TV, you know, scary books. Yeah. And I think you I think you also people think like there's there's this big responsibility that comes with it. And there is when you want to be a professional within it. But if you don't want to be a professional, you can 
you don't have to like be the Long Island medium because you have mediumship abilities. Like you don't have to walk up to the lady in the deli and tell her that her grandmother is standing next to her, you know, like you don't have to kind of do those things that I think, um, people hear mediumship or they hear energy reader or they hear psychic and they automatically assume that that looks a certain way and comes in a certain package and has to behave a certain way. And, um, and I know even for me, you know, like I had a really hard time because I'm like, well, I don't look like the people like I, I was like trying to change like how I dressed and how I looked. And I was like, I don't even like patchouli. Like, what am I going to do? Like, <laughs> yeah, like I have to like every essential oil and like they all, you know, but I don't know. I just, I even had these like preconceived ideas of, of what that meant. And, and I think we're finally breaking that mold and we're finally able to say, well, A, all of us have the ability to do this if we, if we want to, and we want to take the time to learn how to do it. And B, it doesn't have to be so scary and you don't have to fit like this, you know, movie-ish looking role. Like you can be exactly who you are, wearing whatever you want to wear, showing up however you want to show up. And you can you still can... like football and you can meditate, right? Yes. There's no like. Yeah. yeah, you can still go to the concert. Well, hopefully we can go to concert soon. But you can still go do all the things that make you who you are and and still, you know, like you said, meditate. And you can still read energy and you yeah. can still, you know, do all of that. So and, tell our. And... Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, we're all natural energy readers, every single one of us. There's no one that's not responding to the energy that shows up from another being or space. I love that. You're always responding to it. So for our listeners who would be interested in maybe working with you, how can, what Mm -hmm. services are you offering currently and where can they find you? Yeah. So you can find me um, on Instagram at spiritually.curious. You can find me on my website at spirituallycurious.com or iliastranko.com. And so for me, I have two people that I've trained um, to work with me. So they, one, her name is um, Mags Thera, and she does the chakra readings. I do them as well, but I, I'm getting more and more booked up. So uh, it's harder and harder to, to schedule with me. Um, not that you can't, you just have to think you have to be planful about it. Um, and then I also have someone that does, um, somatic therapy and that's Bridget. And, and it's all again, from like an energetic standpoint. And what I do, I focus on past life regression therapy, soul contracts, and teaching people through coaching the energetics of what's going on with their body and really helping them through those moments. And I also teach courses. So um, Spiritually Curious, the Claire's is my is my main course. And that one is happening right now and will launch again in about six months. And then and and that's a self-development for learning how to connect with your with your intuition and learning how to trust yourself. And and I'm also coming out with a professional level that'll be out in March, I believe. Um, so I'll be teaching people to do what I do. Very cool. <laughs> from my lens. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. It's so awesome. Yeah. Really excited yeah, really for excited. you. It's really Thank cool you. what you're doing. I'm really excited about it too. Thank you so much. Yeah. Well, this was wonderful. You know, I'm sure you'll 
get some people following along on your journey now that they've gotten to experience you on the podcast. I will keep up with you. I'm so grateful that you came on the show. And yeah, thank thank you. Appreciate it.